You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody. Live from the field here at the Oakland Coliseum, Ricky Henderson Field. We're getting you ready for the Athletics and the Kansas City Royals coming your way. What are we, a 645 start tonight? Uh, 640. 645 is the Giants, I thought. I think we're 60. Yeah, 640. We 640? It's usually what it is. Usually what every game is for us. Doesn't say on the thing. Now, it used to be 707. Yeah, and then it went to, it's been 640 for a while. Uh, here, I'll just. We've th- had 637 games, 640 games, 645. What What are we officially? 640. It's 640. All right, A's total access will be at 540 coming your way tonight as Frankie Montas is going to be taking the ball for your Oakland Athletics. It's going to be a good one. And Frankie going to be up against uh, Daniel Lynch, who hasn't been very good this year. But for Frankie, A's haven't scored a whole lot of runs, uh, and they need to score some runs. Uh, Help Frankie out. Because, you know, the one thing that's got to be so tough is when you go out there and you throw the ball well and your team doesn't score, you have that feeling that, Every single time you give up a run or you give up a couple runs, you're done. You've lost the game, and that's just a sickening feeling for a pitching. You don't like ha- for a pitcher. You don't like having that. So hopefully, uh, the A's will score some runs. I hate to lead the show off with this, but it is a reality that these two teams have the worst record in baseball. The A's and the Royals, separated by just one percentage point. They're both on pace to lose 107 games. The last time the A's lost this many games, 1979, they lost 108. And for the Royals, they have never lost 107 games in a season. The most they have lost is 106. So you're on some record bad pace right now for both these teams. But at some point, hopefully, you can turn it around. Former athletic John Mabry is going to be here in moments. That's what I was told. So he's going to be here in minutes. We're going to hear from Paul Blackburn. Why? Because yesterday was? Pauly Winday. Pauly Winday. He got that win in Boston as he continues to dominate on the road this year. And right now looking like the A's all-star. I mean, if you're going to pick an all-star right now, there's no question you got to go with Pauly Blackburn. Tenth in baseball in ERA. We're going to have Jonah Bride on the program. Lots to talk about with him as he is a fantastic story and a great success story for a lot of people when you start thinking about guys 
you know, if you're not going to be a top pick, if you're not going to be in the first round, you're not going to be in a, you know a top ten, top ten rounds. Jonah Bride's guy was selected in the 23rd round. Most people don't give those guys much of a chance. Uh, Jonah Bride has made his way to the big leagues. One of the reasons why versatility. We're going to talk to him today. It's kind of a, a TBD with Blackburn and Bride, and then the Mark Kotze show. The Mark Kotze show is going to be. Um, going to be at 5 o'clock when we taped with Mark earlier today. Uh, I was going to say, Jess has an update on Stephen Piscotti if you want to get it. What, he's running? Uh, not really sure what the update is. I mean, I did see him running, but um, I mean. It, well, we heard yesterday at Fenway Park with Mark Hotze saying that Stephen Piscotti was now running bases, and that was something that um, good to hear. But, you know, at some point where this athletics team is. By the way, do you like the view if you're uh, watching on Twitter or if you're watching on our YouTube channel, one of the great views and one of the reasons why we do the show from the field is the fact that we are able to give you something, a set that no one else can give you. All right, I better be wowed by this. I better be oh, wowed. Mabry's on his way over, so. All right, I better be wowed because you know what? I, I just I need more than Stephen Piscotti's running bases. What do we got? I have. To, I'm going to tell you Stephen Piscotti's running bases. That's what you got. <laughs> However, he will also be running bases However. on Sunday, and hopefully, fingers crossed, he can have a rehab assignment on Tuesday. So we might have okay. A yeah. So that's, now you're giving me something. You're welcome. So I don't know. You saw like we had a delay a little bit for Katze's availability because he was watching Piscotti run the base. It's not only was he running, he was turning towards second. So that's some positivity right there. So there's good stuff. So we had to watch. We all had to take time to watch him run bases. You know what? That's the beauty of this game. All right. So thank you very much for the update. We appreciate you're it. And uh, John Mabry, former athletic, is joining us here on Ace Cast Live on the field. Of course, now a coach with the Kansas City Royals. We not only took this thing, we've taken it to, John, to another. We're now on, on Twitter. We're now on YouTube. So you're able to see what we do now oh, as, as our set. Not a bad little set here for Ace Cast Live. I'm telling you, you guys got the number one position right here. A lot has changed since you were here with the athletics way back when. In this place? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like for you when you come back and uh, you think about your time here and obviously all the years you came here as a player? What's it like when you come back? I uh, just see all the people. You know, the clubhouse guys are the same and, and you know, the folks around Clay's the same. Uh, just seeing people that you you saw when you were here and, you know, that kind of stuff. But obviously the team and players are different. But, uh, you know, the guys that the, that are around the team are the same. Well, you think we're in we're in 2022 – Look back, 2002, the memory. I mean, we we still play it all the time, and you know they ended up writing a book about it, made some little movie about it. Yep. Uh, when you come here, do you think about that? Do you think about the win streak? Do you think about the team? I think it was a fun summer for sure. Yeah, yeah. I didn't start out here. I got traded here yeah. from Philadelphia, and um, you know they were all I heard uh, when I came here was how bad they were. And when we got here, from the minute I got here, from that time on, they won. And, and it was such a fun summer. It was just, it was cool. I, I do think about that. I do think about the guys. Uh, really great group of guys, fun, fun bunch of guys. Uh, I always remember coming back late, like we came back late a lot. So uh, they never quit. Uh, I remember that. Um, the fans here, it was like a college football atmosphere when they're beating on the drums and blowing the horns and all that good stuff. So it was, it was a great atmosphere to play in. Um, so I remember that and the streak, going through the streak. 
something you don't even do in Little League, you know, and win 20 in a row and, and that kind of thing. You don't even think about that kind of stuff. But uh, it was a fun summer for sure. You know, that's something we pride ourselves in around here with Oakland for so many years is how the clubhouse has been. And you can't stress enough when you look back and, and you can talk about as a player just how we have players even today that they'll leave and they'll contact us and go, man, it's just not the same with other teams. There's there's always been something special about that rickety old clubhouse. I don't know what it is. It just is what it is. Yeah, they just let guys be guys, you know, and they don't they don't regulate it a whole lot. And, and uh, you know, you come out here, and I know last year we came here and guys are out playing hacky sacks and, yeah. you know, and, and big <laughs> floppy hats and um, they're wearing flip-flops out. And, you know, they just let you be you and, uh, you know, let, let the kind of the – organic natural you know fun happen because this game is you know hard it is stressful but uh, there's a time that you have to let people be people and, and kind of blow off some steam and, and they, they did that a lot here and which was which was fun as a player it was cool to see um, and it was cool to be a part of so you just kind of you got to get guys in their natural atmosphere and let them be them and, and you never know what's going to happen so it, it was cool we saw the Atlanta Braves finally lose today, the Chicago Cubs ending their 14-game winning streak. And, you know, you, you start to hear people who either played for the Indians or the Rockies had their great run at one point. When you're in a streak like that, do you, do you feel unbeatable when you get to the ballpark? What is the feeling like every day? Uh, the feeling is it's, like, continuous. You just – when you go home, you feel like you're right back here and, and, and nothing is, is eating at you. There's nothing that's, you know, going bad. It's, everything is going well. Different guys are stepping up every day. Um, a different individual has a big game or a different pitcher comes out and, and throws a gem, you know, and you just kind of expect that. And, you know, I've played on some teams where you expect the other. And yeah. So, so, so <laughs> yeah. you know, when you're in a streak like that, it's just great to have that kind of expectation when you get to the ballpark that something – good is going to happen tonight and it was amazing how many big hits Miguel Tejada had during that time especially late in the streak 100 percent, yeah yeah he was uh him Javi all of them you know it's 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 crazy it's fun to watch but it, it was a lot of different guys would come up big late I mean obviously Miggy had the lion's share of it because you know he's the guy but uh there was sort of some other guys coming up with big hits as well through that streak that uh you know guys that you wouldn't expect so it, it was it was fun to see and then the record game, you go up big, you got Tim Hudson on the mound, you're thinking this thing's an absolute no-brainer. Yep. And then, of course, the comeback, Hatterberg, yep. and next, yep. you know, yep. once again, they're uh, making a movie about it, and it's up for an Oscar. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, that game, we're playing the Royals, actually, yeah. and, and uh, go up 11 nothing with Huddy on the mound, you think that one's over. You know, if you go up 4 nothing with Huddy on the mound, you think it's over. So, you know, and – I know a lot of it didn't get made about how good those three were, uh, those three starting pitchers. Uh, they were really good, you know, with, and Lytle and Harang on the back end of that were really, really good as well. So we felt like we could win if, if we put up three or four runs. We felt like we we're going to be in a game, you know. And, and so those guys, when you go up 11 like that, you think it's over. And then to have that thing come back and get tied and then for Hatterberg to come out and, you know, pinch it off their closer and win the game, it was, it was crazy. It was a fun night. Making history, no doubt about it. And – Obviously, what we have here tonight is something that's obviously different to the worst records in baseball. Uh, you know, where, what you guys are trying to build in Kansas City, kind of far different than just a pivot that's happened with this organization. On your guys' side, a lot of young players hoping for the future. Here we are mid-June. What do you try and stress as a coach to these players to help them grow, to get them better, because you're looking towards the future? 
That's it, just experience. You know, they have to get it at this level, at this time, because you just can't tell them unless they experience it. You know, they're not going to yeah. go out and face, you know, a guy that's a Cy Young candidate and, you know, and stuff at, you know, you know how, how they attack and what they're trying to do and, you know, how important every play is, how important, you know, turning double plays are or making the play when it's supposed to, blocking a ball when you're supposed to. It's like winning baseball is tedious. You know, you have to do the little things right all the time. And, you know, when guys are younger, they have a tendency to kind of drift sometimes mentally or, or they have a tendency not to understand the importance of it, you know, but it's all important at this level. You just you can't get away with a whole lot to be a winning baseball club. I'm so glad you said that because today we got the combine going on. I like this combine, but, you know, it's just kids getting in the cage, grip it, rip it, how fast you run to first base. It's no different than, like, what we've seen for all these years in the NFL combine. But what wins baseball games it's not the sexy. It's not the popular. You know, we can track man this and we can do all that, but it's little things inside an actual game that you have to do. Kind of like what we're seeing at the U.S. Open in golf. It's the little things you have to do to win. Oh, 100%. Like golfers are playing the course, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like you're, you're gonna, there's going to be a sequence out here that you might have never seen before, a guy that can command both sides of the plate or multiple different pitches or make two pitches move the same or different. You know, it's – they don't get to see that every day. And every time the door swings open, somebody's throwing 97 to 100, you know, with some kind of run sink, you know, and everything that they face out here is going to be, you know, high quality every day. And there's there's no easy ones. You have to slay a giant every day to win in this league. And, and so, you know, those guys get to see that on a day-in and day eight basis, day-in, day-out basis, but they have to experience it. You know, you can tell them all you want, but they have to experience some of this stuff for themselves to really know. But it is. It's, you know, and, and the way the scouting of the combine is now, it's throw hard, run fast, you know, and, and hit it far. But when you get to a game, you got to move a guy, you got to get a guy in, you got to, you know, it's, you got to show up every day. And, and it's, that's the hard ask mentally. You know, you, you're, you're, especially today's society with, you know, 24 7 scrutiny and, and the way these guys handle this pressure. And they just don't have this kind of pressure on them until they get here. All right, last one. Bobby Witt Jr., I'm looking at the numbers. Last eight games. Uh, since actually May 1st, everything trending up. Mm -hmm. We've heard a lot about him, seen the highlights. This is our first look at him. Mm -hmm. How special is this kid? He's very special, and you're going to see something tonight that's going to make you say, wow. It, it might be on the bases. It might be in the field. It might be a throw. It might be a hit. It might be something that you're going to say, wow. Uh, loud contact. It, it's going to be something. But every every day this kid plays, he gets better and better. Uh, it's, it's getting to that point where – you know, obviously today's how fast the scouting reports move that, you know, they got you when you get here. Before it used to be you could go around the league one time, second time through, you, you know, you'd make your adjustments. But uh, this kid's making adjustments fast. He's uh, he's getting to see the things that he needs to see to make his adjustments. So he's uh, he's, he's a fun kid to watch. He's a, he's a true talent for sure. Well, I tell everybody, whether it's been with the A's or my time, I used to work for the Oakland Raiders and going to play the Chiefs, going, you go to Kansas City, You've got the World War One Museum. You, you, you've got the Negro League Museum, mm -hmm. the Jazz Museum, mm -hmm. all the barbecue. Yep. It's a sneaky great town. Awesome town. Yeah, great great up-and-coming city. It's just uh, it's, it's fun to be. The atmosphere is fun. Uh, a winning atmosphere is really going to be fun. Uh, the Chiefs have made it fun, you know, and, yeah. and so uh, we're trying to get to that level as well to, to try to get, you know, that energy as well around the city to try to bring – folks out and and uh, pack the stands like they did in 14 and 15 and and so it's uh, it's going to be fun we got these kids here and uh, they're learning on the job hopefully quick well thank you for coming by i mean last time i interviewed you was a long time ago but it's great to see it great that you're doing well you. and good luck to you guys and we'll talk to you uh 
Maybe sooner than you think. I think we play next week. Sounds good. We'll you see take you. care. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, one of the things I love about Kansas City is that they are absolute barbecue snobs. Everybody's got their place. Everybody's got the, they think that this, the place that they like is better than every other place. But the reality is for us foreigners who go into Kansas City, like every one of their barbecue places is incredible. Like one of the fancy ones, it's called Jack Stacks. And if you eat there, you know, the people who like the real old school, like a Gates, will be like, oh, that's bougie. Jack Stacks is bougie. Yeah, but they're all great. Mine's Kansas, uh, Joe's of Kansas City was my favorite. But yeah, but if you love barbecue, you can't, I mean, every menu, every, and it's cheap. I remember I went in there with a, I've got a buddy, a good friend that lives in Kansas City, and we went in, and you just look up at the menu, and you can just, just give me one of everything, and it costs nothing. It's, it's amazing you get the best barbecue in the world, and it's not very expensive. But more importantly, after the A's took down the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park, it was then... The Golden State Warriors, it was their time to end it all. Raymond's got it left sideline. Let the celebration begin. With four titles in the last eight years, the run is not done. The Golden State Warriors, once again, are NBA champions in 2022. Unbelievable. Oh, that's Bob Fitzgerald filling in for Tim Roy, who had COVID. Uh, so Bobby Fitz taking over for Tim Roy the last games five and six. Tim, Tim got three of them. He got well. He's I mean, had three. He still gets a ring. He's had three. He's I, called. Hey, you know three of the four Warriors titles were won on the road. You realize Steve Kerr now has nine titles. Nine titles. Warriors only second team since the 1985 Lakers to win the NBA title in Boston. Yeah, but back then that meant something. Yeah. Now it doesn't really. Well, the, the Boston's only been in the NBA Finals, what, like, what, they won uh, the, with the big three, and then they lost to the Lakers, I believe, after, like, two years later, when Kobe and Gasol won. Yeah, back in the 80s when it was Lakers-Celtics, that it was a big meant, deal. That, that big meant deal. something. Well, you know, congratulations to everybody. We saw some of the personnel, 
Uh, two days ago, our good buddy Raymond Ritter, who is second to none, one of the vice presidents for the Golden State Warriors. Double RPR. Out at the uh, A's Red Sox game. And congratulations to the Warriors bringing another title home to the Bay Area. Parade going to be tomorrow? Monday. Mon- Wait until Monday? Monday, 1120 on Market Street. Well, they deserved it. I mean, you look at four and eight years, and, you know, one of those years is the COVID year. So you have to say to yourself, you know, kind of four and seven, because the COVID year is kind of tough because obviously they played less games and they all went to Orlando and they played it at Walt Disney World. In a bubble, yeah. So in, in a bubble. But no matter what, I mean, the fact that you're you're looking at, you're looking at a dynasty. And it's uh, it's pretty incredible. And the fact to think of where the Warriors were, I mean, the Warriors were the Warriors were so bad, and to think that they're now a dynasty is truly incredible. And I got a chance to actually host the pre and post game show on the radio for the last two Warriors championships. So to be a part of it, know what it's like. Uh, it, it is unreal. And Jonah Bright is with us here on A's Cast Live. I'm Chris Townsend. Jonah Bright, nice, nice to meet you. To meet you. Um, talking about the Warriors having a hell of a ride in Boston. How about yourself making your debut? Saw the family there and friends. What was that like? Yeah, it was definitely a really special moment for me, uh, something I've always dreamed about. And uh, to do it in Fenway, it makes it even more special. And to have my family and my best friends there, it was, it was awesome. So when you roll out there and you're in the lineup, just put the mic a little bit closer. So when you roll out there and you're just, – just tell us what the feeling was like that, man, I'm at – not only it's a historic Fenway Park, but your dreams. You've had this dream since you were a kid, and you're playing in the big leagues. What was going through your mind? You know, there was definitely nerves uh, going into it on that flight uh, after I got the call. But when we went out for BP and stuff, I think everything kind of slowed down for me a little bit. And uh, I got a great group of guys around me that uh, were definitely giving me lots of confidence and – telling me it's just baseball I mean it, it's hard it's hard to just say that but uh <laughs> but definitely throughout the game just just helped me calm my nerves I had a great great time hey you've been around it you're it's not a shocker yeah. I mean you're you're 23rd round pick 23rd round picks normally don't get that yeah and I, and I bet when you signed you did you didn't think you were like hey I'm done with school I want to keep playing see how long I mean pretty special your journey just talk about what you thought when you signed and then to where you are today talking to me on a big league field. You know, I mean, when I got signed, it was a senior sign. Um, yeah, I mean, I wanted an opportunity at that point. But growing up and stuff, just, just always feeling like I was overlooked, someone telling you can't do something, um, just makes it that more special, just just getting that uh, opportunity. And um, just everywhere I go, I want to continue to prove people wrong. And so it's special to be here in Oakland, and uh, I want to do anything I can to help this team win. You know, we joke all the time. I don't like it how we have so many different guys down in the bullpen. We have way too many pitchers. But what that means is less guys on the bench. You took it upon yourself to learn how to catch. Now you're showing versatility. You can play all over the diamond. That helps you and helps you get to the big leagues. Talk about making that change, knowing that the more gloves you have in your bag, the better chance you got. Yeah, I mean, I was approached last year about it by my manager, Bobby Crosby, um, that the idea had been thrown around a little bit. And so, I mean, I, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely willing to go to Instructional League and went to Instructional League and, and then got the opportunity to play in the Fall League as well and, and catch a bunch of great guys. 
um, getting to see the different stuff. I mean, it, it continues to get better and better. So um, maybe maybe not be catching out here yet, but whenever I can, get the opportunity to go down to the bullpen um, and continue to catch these guys and, and try to uh, better my skills back there and, and get more comfortable. How much catching had you, had you done before that? Yeah, I've, I've never been a catcher. Um, I think when I was eight or nine years old, there was one guy that was throwing hard, so I would just go back there and catch him. Um, but but that was more of just like wreck ball and um, everyone just out there having a good time. Dude, so. that's crazy that yeah. in pro ball, I'm going to learn how to catch. In pro ball, yeah, so that just doesn't yeah. happen. Bunch, bunch of great um, people around the A's organization um, putting that hope in me and and just putting that trust, and um, they've stuck with me. And the same way as, like, teammates, they're all very supportive of me. Uh, they don't expect me to be perfect. It's, it's definitely going to be taking time, um, but you got to continue to put in the work, and uh, I'm willing to do that. So how does it help you, I don't know, as a, a hitter defensively, because when you're a catcher, you're the only one looking out at everybody, and everybody's looking at you. It's a completely mm -hmm. different perspective of the game has it helped you as a defender has it helped you offensively what has catching learning catching done for you i would say uh in the box you're definitely thinking more about what the what the catcher might want to call here um not that you're always going to be right uh but it, it definitely helps you just get a good perspective of the game you're locked in on every pitch um so i enjoy that i mean it's it's when you're catching it's more when I get to the dugout, I'm not really thinking about my as bat or my next at bat as much as I am just going back out there for the next inning and trying to catch a good game and, and build a relationship with those pitchers. So yeah, it's it's completely different, um, but it's something that I've enjoyed. Okay, so Ed Sprague had this unbelievable quote about you that they aired in the uh, or they put on the Athletic, and I'm not sure if you saw it, but he says that you have the ability to use the entire bat. And it's this long quote where he's talking about how you can hit it off the hands. It can be a squibber. It can be in the gap. It can be a home run. I've never heard anybody where they said, he can use the entire bat. What what, what does that mean for you? Yeah, I hadn't seen that, actually. Um, I mean, I, I just try to pride myself on going up there and taking a good at bat. Um, this going to be quality for the team, um, whether that's move someone over, um, drive them in, hit a gap. I mean, and, and I really try not to strike out, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I might not always be right on the barrel, but I've just tended to uh, be able to find holes, and uh, I hope I can continue to do that as well. Well, and, and just watching you hit, you know, being able to make contact is a big deal these days. It's hard to believe we're even talking about that, but, yeah. you know, make – so for you being a contact guy, how, uh, how has the adjustment to velocity when we struggle to make contact, that's something that's been a strength of your game? Um, you know, I, I think it's just crazy how the game's evolved, even since I've came into pro ball. Um, these guys nowadays are all throwing 95, 98, and they're throwing their slider more than they're throwing their fastball. And so that makes it much more difficult. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when, when you get a fastball, I mean, that's definitely the one that I want to try to get out there and, and, and get a hold of. Were you seeing that because in college? Because we're now watching the College World Series, we're seeing so many guys throwing 97, 98. Yeah. Was that happening when you were in college? I mean, you wouldn't see – too much 97 98 to be honest and that was only i graduated in 2018 i mean you would there'd be a couple teams or a couple guys on a team that would maybe run it up there but majority of the guys probably 92 95 tops um with good stuff but but it's definitely just crazy how to see how far this game has come yeah that this is something as people are watching on youtube and twitter that's just crazy 
is that, yes, you've got guys throwing close to triple digits, but yet still throw, whether it's cutter, slider, Mm -hmm. more than they do fastball. As a hitter or a catcher, is that crazy to you? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely times where um, some someone's going to be def- like nasty, and, and you're going to have to look for one pitch. And uh, I mean, there's definitely times where you have to tip your cap. I mean, these these guys have the best stuff in the world, and uh, they're here for a reason. And so it's a grind every single at bat, and uh, you got to take pride in it. And yeah, continue to do that. Now you wore one off the chest, and it broke the chain. How's the chain? Uh, the chain is actually broke. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to get, I'm gonna have to go get a new one. Yeah, because it was hit pretty hard, and you mean you wore it. It was great, yeah. but then all of a sudden when you saw the chain, I'm like, wow, it was hit so hard it broke the chain. Yeah, I actually didn't notice that at the time, and then I was just walking back over to the third base and looked down, and I just see it hanging down, and uh, yeah, see his chain. Yeah, we had Mark Kotze on earlier today, and he talked about that tough throw you had at Fenway Park, but he said, you know, when he came out to talk to the pitcher, he said to you, hey, next one's coming to you. What did that mean to you to have, your skip, to have the skipper have mm-hmm. your back? Yeah, I've, I've talked about it a lot with uh, – guys around the clubhouse and then even family friends when they when we talk about it uh just to have that uh hope and give a guy confidence uh, obviously that was tough for me to make that bad throw and um the game going the way it was I mean I that's all was on my mind like I didn't want to be the reason that we lost that game and so um winning that game was huge and uh the confidence that they gave me they were all hitting me saying you're good um yeah, so getting that win, being able to talk about it after, that was my first moment where I was like, oh, goodness. Uh, just got to slow it down and uh, just play the game that you've always played. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting back out there tonight. How nice is it going to be to be in Oakland, settle into a clubhouse, be able to relax a little bit, and not have all the hoopla of the whole family and the debut and everything? Yeah, uh, I think it'll be cool. I mean, I know everyone's going to be watching, um, but, I mean, it's always been that way. I've got a great group around me of uh, family and friends. People are always there for me. So, yeah, it's going to be great to uh, play here at this stadium and in front of the fans and get settled in, like you said. And let's end on this. You know, there's a lot of us out there, guys who played college, played high school, who had the dream Mm -hmm. and just knew, ah, it's not going to happen. What do you say to these kids as a 23rd-round pick, a senior you sign, what do you tell these guys about never giving up and never losing that dream until they rip the uniform off you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's everything right there, like you said. I mean, it's – I told you growing up that I was always – I was never big enough, I was never fast enough, never strong enough. Um, and so just to have that hope in myself and the family, uh, the great coaches, teammates I've had that have always believed in me, um, and putting that trust in yourself. I mean, anyone – Anyone can do it, and you can never give up, and uh, no one can take that away from you. And um, continue to work your butts off, do whatever you can to continue to go through the ladder, and it's not going to be easy, that's for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, you're a true inspiration, and we're going to be rooting like hell for you because it's a great story. That means and a lot. And congratulations getting here. It's awesome. We're going to cover you, uh, cover every minute, minute of it and really enjoy it. So Absolutely. it was nice to meet Thanks you. So we'll much. have you on again. Absolutely. we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, we have a new nickname for him. I don't think we've told I don't think we've told Mr. Blackburn about his new nickname, have we? I don't think we've seen him since. since I mean, then. I might. You can have it. You can sell T-shirts, but when you pitch, we call it Polly Wind Day. <laughs> That's. I mean, I have not heard that. No, but. I, I like it. I, I mean, I mean that's, you, a, that's a goal every day. So That's so why my not? gift to you, <laughs> Paulie Winday. <laughs> thank you. Thank you can you. ride that to a bobblehead, to T-shirts, whatever you want to do. It is great to have you on the program. Another fantastic outing yesterday. And uh, you look great on the mound. Just talk about the confidence you have because we can see it. Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, it's a lot easier to gain confidence when things are going your way and you're pitching well. Um, but it's just – I just feel like no matter who's in the box, I'm going to get you out. Like, that's that's kind of where I am right now, just, like, mentally. Like, I believe my stuff. I believe every single pitch I throw. I'm 100% uh, behind every pitch I throw uh, mentally. And, and, yeah, it's just, just kind of – it's been working out that way. Isn't it an amazing conviction? It's like, it's like you can have the greatest stuff in the world – but if you don't believe in it, especially yeah. in pressure situations, it doesn't matter. And you may not have the best stuff in the world, but if you believe in yeah. it, it works. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it does. And it's funny, like, you know, I feel like a lot of times you hear when people have big accomplishments, you hear them like, oh, like, it's all about belief. Like, if you believe, you yeah. believe. And, like, you hear that and you're like, okay, but a little more goes into it. But, like, as soon as you do start kind of believing, it makes everything else in your body believe, too. And, like. To me, that's just kind of where I've, where I've been this year. Like I just, I just feel like any time, any any pitch I throw, I, you're not going to hit it. Okay, let, let before we get into the mental side, let's go physical side. Take us through difference in whether we've heard a lot of different things. You know, when you have a good season, a lot of people start talking about a lot of different things. So, 
How much did you change grip, curveball, slider, cutter, just physically what what are changes or maybe tweaks that you've done? Yeah, so one of the one of the big the biggest tweak I think this year for me that's helped me, uh, Sam, one of our uh, analytical people, she on my four seam in spring and on, honestly through my whole career, um, I guess my wrist my wrist wasn't neutral. I was essentially my wrist was pointed up, and I was cutting my four seam a lot. I wasn't staying behind it, and you know we talked in spring training, and she told me to, you know, I my. She, she, she told me my wrist is pointed up. You need to have it more neutral to stay behind the ball, create better life. And so I worked on that. This was towards the end of spring training. Worked on that uh, the last couple of days about uh, keeping my wrist neutral, and it's helped my four seam a lot this year. I've never thrown as many four seams as I had this year. Did and you feel it like when she told you? Did Did you have that feeling? You go, ah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, like so. Essentially, we're throwing bullpens. You know, they have an iPad and they have. You know, your your horizontal break, your vertical break, all this stuff. They have, like, your wrist position. And I was looking at it, and there was, like, four or five pitches where my wrist position was straight out for, uh, straight out, um, 12. And everything else was in between, like, one and a half and two. And so I was like, are those, like, those are my four seams? And she was like, yes, like, that's why you're cutting them. And I thought I was under the ball. So I'm trying to, in my head, I was trying to correct, correct something, but I was going the opposite way. So essentially I was hurting myself going this way instead of allowing myself to be yeah. more neutral with it and more loose. It makes sense. It's like even though y- your feels and the reality of what's going on don't always work together. Yeah. It's it's when they both come together, when you're feeling it, you know what's going on and the science and the feelings together, but sometimes your feeling and the science are two opposite yes. things. Talk about the breaking balls. Um, honestly, I haven't really changed much on my curveball. If anything, I've, I've probably gripped it a little harder um, this year. Um, you know, I, I have been working with, like, a slider. It's a big, sweepy slider. It's kind of like my curveball. I throw it maybe four or five times an outing um, just to give hitters a different look. Um, that way, like, they they have to be they have to be conscious of my curveball that's more, like, top to bottom, my slider that is, like, more sweepy. So it's just more of, like, a different look for them. Um, but as far as, like, grip goes, all my grips really the same. Like, a lot of it's just been mentality for me uh, with my curveball and – now, obviously, like I said, seeing results with it like gives you a little more confidence with it, gives you uh, just a little more conviction behind it. But a lot of the stuff that I've done has been more mentality-wise. One of my favorite things, we're going to start dealing with the stat cast, cutter versus just it's a natural cut. What is it for you? Um, mine's a cutter. Okay. Mine's a cutter. It's probably more slider-ish. Um, if you if you talk to the analytical department, um, see this is what I love is because Stackhouse is going to say he throws cutter this many times, slider bit, and they cut it, and then you talk to some of they go, well, I really don't throw that. I yeah. you know mine's every- like yeah mine so mine essentially is a cutter and a slider. If I go up with it, when I go up and into lefties, you're going to get more of a horizontal. I'm not going to get which would like, be the, the vertical cutter. depth. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be the cutter. Now when I go down and way to righties with it. It's gonna have a little bit of slide to it, and so that's that's just how it that's just how it comes out. Like I'm I'm thinking fastball the whole time, but once I start thinking like, oh, I want it to cut when I'm going down to a righty, that's when I get messed up. And like, you know, whether it's a cutter, whether it's a slider, I mean, whatever they want to call it, they can call it. But in my head, I call it a cutter because that help that's what helps me think fastball with it. And then the action on it is the action. So. 
I don't want you to come out of games, and you don't need to say anything. Don't want to get you in trouble. But there's like when Kotze comes out to get you, I go, no, leave him in. Let him keep going. And I know you want to go deep into games. But how do you prepare to get through a lineup once, twice, a third time, and to always keep them on their toes? Yeah, so we'll use yesterday, for instance. Like I faced Boston two weeks ago. And my game plan going into Boston, from the results base, like, they were on a lot of my stuff. And, like, granted, like, I didn't have I didn't have my best cutter that day, and that's one thing that I knew going into that start yesterday. And that's a weapon that I kind of had in my back pocket where they haven't seen my best cutter that I had. And yesterday I had a pretty good one. And just being able to kind of take a step back and reevaluate the game from a clear mindset where it's like, okay, like, what did I do that, that gave me success during this game with Boston here? What did I do well? Okay, like, this is what I did. What did they do well against me? And now you start, it's, it's kind of like a, a pros and cons list, right? Okay, this is what worked for me. This is what, what they were on. So now how can we incorporate what worked for me into a new game plan while still being able to use certain pitches that didn't work well for me, if that makes sense, where it's like maybe it's a yeah. sequencing thing. Maybe it's like, you know, maybe we're getting too predictable out there. Like, just being able to kind of break down like that and look at an outing instead of it being like, oh, bad outing or a good outing. Like, being able to honestly, like, sit down and think about your outing and realize that, you know, every outing you're going to have good pitches, every outing you have bad pitches. Like, whether those bad pitches beat you, who knows, you know? But good pitches can beat you sometimes. And But for me, it's, it's just being able to see what worked against the team and what didn't work and why did that not work. Because it's not like, like your pitches are good. Like your, your pitches work, you know, but it's like, you know, was, like I said, was I too predictable? Did I set it up correctly? Or like, what did, did I do the same exact sequence to that guy as I did the guy on deck and the guy on deck beat me? You know, just things like that where like, it's so much game inside of a game. And I feel like in the past I would get so wrapped up in like, oh, like I went out there and gave up five runs, bad outing, you know? And it's like, yeah, you don't want to sit there and think or dwell on bad outings, but you there are positives in every single outing that you have. Whether it's you go out and get two outs and you give up eight runs, there's still you'll still find a positive in that. You probably don't want to think about it, but there are positives at, at every single outing that I feel like gets a, some, a lot of people get away from when there's bad results there, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you, you you got to have positivity because in this game you can find a whole lot of negative and it can drown you and it's tough to get out of that mindset. And that's where I want to get into the mental side. I think about when we talked to you down at spring training, Ho-Ho Cam, and this was about you making the ball club and excited and you're healthy, you know, healthy, which was great for you, to where we are today where you're going out to win. You're going out to win games against elite teams and elite lineups. Talk about the mentality of where you were in Arizona to where you are now. So coming into coming into spring training, like I, I didn't have like didn't have any options left. Like it was make or break. Like either I make the team or I'll get DFA'd again, and who knows what happens from there. Um, but I tried not to think of it like that. I tried to think of it as like I, you know, this is my tenth spring training. I think like I know what. I need to do to get my body ready at this point. And I allowed spring training to kind of be that for me. I didn't come into spring training adding pressure on myself, like I need to come and make a team. I need to come and make a team. I stayed within myself and I trusted that the work that I put in every single day and the mindset that I bring every day 
will ultimately get me to that goal. And then when the season started, it was more of like, okay, like it was like a checklist, right? Okay, first box, like check, made a team out of spring. Now it's like, what, like essentially like, what can I do to prove people wrong? You know, like I feel like, I feel like there's, there's been a lot of times like when I've added so much pressure on myself in the, on the field that I didn't, that I didn't allow myself to be myself out there. And where like I'd have so many different things going on, whether it's like stress of like not letting run score, whether it's like stress of, you know, throwing strike, whatever it may be. Like there, I feel like I added so much unneeded stress to myself in the past. And just being able to kind of come in with like, I'm going to prove you wrong mindset. And, you know, what, what's like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, like I've, I've been DFA'd. I've, I've, I've gone through all that. Like I've, I've essentially been fired for say, um, you know, and I, I work to get back here. So it's like, what, like, what do I have to lose? Like go out there and be yourself. And like, at least if you lose, like have them beat you, don't beat yourself and like, don't overthink it. And that's just kind of where I've been this year. You know, one thing that I'm not good at is just sticking with what I can control. I want to control other things, which, and then it takes me back to Jim Harbaugh. He used to always say, control the controllables and for a, for a pitcher, and I think of Frankie going tonight, I got these numbers how the team just does not score with him on the mound, and it sucks. How is a pitcher, you're out on the mound, team hasn't scored for you, you give up a run or two, and, oh, God, here we go. I, you know, I mean, how do you not get down and not worry about how the offense is performing and just control truly what you can control? Yeah, you know, kind of like what you said, control what you can control. And easier said than done. It is very, it is very easier said than done. And like I said, when things are going good, it's a lot easier to control what you control. When things are going bad, like you have little things that will frustrate you. Um, but like, I look as far as like runs go, like it is what it is, right? It's a game of baseball. Like those guys are good, we're good. Like it's it's essentially like who's who's better on that day, essentially. And it's honestly like it's. For me, like, for me to control the controllables, per se, it's just a pitch-by-pitch basis. Like, whether, you know, as a starting pitcher, your job is essentially to keep your team in the game. You know, and, like, if you go if you go six innings, you go seven innings, and you come out and it's 2 nothing, like, you essentially did your job, right? Like, granted, like, would you rather come out when your team's ahead? Of course, everyone would. <laughs> but I think just being able to realize that, like, what your job actually is as a starting pitcher. You know, your job is to push the pace. Your job is to create soft contact, keep keep your defense involved, and keep your team in the game. You know, and like you said, the control balls, like you're not up there grabbing a bat. You know, you're not hitting. You're not you're not doing that. So like, that's out of your hands. And the more you think about that, the more that creeps in into your mind, and it'll stress you out. Where it's like, oh, I got a guy lead off double, can't let him score. You know, you can't you can't you can't be out there in a game and think that because I I'll tell you what, that guy's gonna score. As soon as you start thinking that, as soon as you start thinking, I can't let this guy score, walk, base hit. Now you got guys at second and third with no outs. And now it's like, okay, now you got, now you have to try and stop a snowball, which is very hard to do. But yeah, for me, it's, for me, honestly, it's, it's a pitch by pitch basis. And, you know, I have, I have faith in our offense, complete faith in our offense. Every time they go out there, you know, we've, we've put up crooked numbers this, this year and it can happen at any point. So it's just one of those things where, you know, you, you, you kind of stay in your own lane and you, you worry about what you what you can control. All right, two more. I know you got to go, but two more. Um, 
number one thing for you in between starts that you have to do? Oh, man. Um, I, I, I keep the same routine. I, like, when things are going well, I keep the same routine. So, like, today, day after I pitch, I'll, I'll run 20 minutes. I'll do a low, lower body lift, do some treatment uh, in the training room. You know, tomorrow will be a side day for me. I honestly probably probably bullpens. Like I'm not. I know like throughout a season, everyone's kind of different, and like some guys will skip a bullpen here and there because it's a long year. But like for me, like just being able to get on the mound and feel feel myself coming down the mound, feel my hand out in front, like just seeing how my pitches are reacting. For me, that's something that I always have to do in between starts. Like I'm not. I'm not gonna. I don't. I'm not gonna take. Um, you know, a rotation off from getting off the mound. Like to me, that's just like, that's just prep work for me. So if that may, if that kind of answers answers your question. Any superstitions? Um, yeah, I have pizza before the night I pitch, every time. I mean, that's not a bad one to have. Every time. You're not gonna. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a bad. Some people have some crazy pizza's not bad. All no, right, that's, let's yeah. end on this because we were just talking to Jonah Bride, and I said, you know, what? you're an inspiration, man. I mean, your 23rd round pick a senior who had to sign, who's just saying, you know what, don't have to go get a job yet, go play, next thing you know, he's in the big leagues. But I think about you, you're a Bay Area kid playing on a Bay Area team. There's a lot of young players out there who are looking up to you as an inspiration who can say, hey, listen, if he could do it, I can do it. What does it mean for you as a guy that watched baseball games here as a kid Tamal playing on that, playing on this field, knowing that you got all these kids in the East Bay who can look up to you. No, it's an awesome feeling. Um, you know, as a as an athlete, I, I feel like sometimes you 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 don't get as as wrapped up in it as you kind of should for like younger generations and like kids and like you know I try to sign as many autographs as I can for kids because I remember coming to a park and asking for autographs and no one was signed. So like I try to take care of the kids out here. I know it's I know it's very important. Um, you know, I guess a message for like younger kids would be, honestly, always believe in yourself. And like, when times are tough, like you're gonna get through it. You know, and like, you know, at a younger, at a young age, I would say to play as many sports as you can. And I feel like nowadays, too many, too many kids are kind of pinholed into one or two sports, one sport athletes at, at too young. And I feel like I, grown up, I played, I played every sport. Besides football, my dad wouldn't let me play football. <laughs> but I played every sport, and I just feel like it—it it helps with your body awareness. It helps—it it helps with you know learning how to work as a team. It helps just, just being able to to build a group together. Even that you know maybe six or seven years old—that's not really that kid's goal. But like later on in life, you'll realize that like those team atmospheres—it's what—it's what helps you get along with people, just in life. Like being able to to you know connect with someone or, or whatnot like but yeah to me it's just it's honestly just just always believe in yourself no matter what you do uh dreams do come true what do you have to have on that pizza by the way <laughs> pepperoni and pineapple all right all right we're oh i was gonna ask you cody what 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 are yours i, I i'm a i'm a i'm an all meat guy <laughs> I, I go the meat lovers what do you gotta have on your pizza uh, sometimes I don't mind pineapple, uh, buffalo I'm chicken's gonna... fine, buffalo or barbecue chicken. I can't do black olives. Yeah, no, that's an, that's an, an, people like anchovies, not not for me. No, no anchovies. I can do olives though. I can do olives. not like strict olives. I'll do like a combination. Yeah, I won't go like just regular olives, but I I don't mind olives on the, on pizza. the controversial one is 
pineapple. Do you like that? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah he said it. Yeah. Said. Okay, all right. Pepperoni, matters. pepperoni and pineapple. There you go, because a lot of people get on me for liking pineapple on my pizza. I so. know, but then people try it, and they're like, Yeah, this is actually pretty good. pretty good. Yeah. right? Yeah. What do you do on the road? I order it. I do, is there a spot? Do you, do you, like, search out spots? Uh, so, like, no. Like, so this started, it, honestly, it started in when I was in Myrtle Beach, so 2015. And I had a terrible first half. And one night we were on the road, <clears throat> long bus trip, got in late, and I ordered a Domino's pizza, and I ordered pepperoni and pineapple. And I went out there, and I went like seven innings, gave up like a hit or two. <laughs> and I'm like, man, we're rolling the with this. The streak is born. And then I did it again, and I had a good, a good outing. Did it again, and then it just kind of stuck with me. So, like, it started off as Domino's, and, like, it's kind of – now it's just kind of turned into to whatever I can find on DoorDash or, like, local pizza spot by the hotel on the road like it's just kind of turned into that but it's always it's always pizza day before i pitch you know what it is it's time for us to get a pizza sponsor for paulie <laughs> winday that's my new mission i'll be bringing you some business <laughs> all right hey I great stuff that. as always we appreciate hey, thank it thank you very much for having me the manager mark kotze next right here on a's cast live when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Dun, 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 dun. You know one guy I want to really highlight is Christian Bethencourt. Right now, Christian Bethencourt is... I mean, he's playing fantastic. His, his June... He's hitting 333. He's got four dingers, but I want to say he has four doubles, too. Correct, he does. I didn't put that on there. Doubles don't matter to I you? I know, but I just – I would say for the for the sake of space, but that thing's 12 pages long, so. Did we, Cody didn't have enough space in, in the playbook here to get, get it all in, for God's sakes. So he's hitting 333, four jacks, four doubles, nine RBI. He's got an OPS of 1,107. I thought the most impressive thing that we saw yesterday was how he came out of home plate and showed the athletic ability and hosed the runner at second. It just shows he's an athlete. He's got skills. I love how I'll do my bad impression here since you can see it on YouTube and you see it on A's Cast Live. But his ability to keep his hands in and drive the ball to right field and right center, he's not coming around every – he's not – pulling everything he's staying on it and keeping the hands in and letting the barrel stay through the zone longer does that make sense on youtube and a's cast live well uh, yeah well on you YouTube, see my well, hands not 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 the streaming not side of it rolling your right hand he's 
keeping everything here and driving it that way. And that just shows how well he's seeing the ball. And you just wonder. Christian Bethencourt at one point was a top 10 prospect for the Atlanta Braves. He was traded to the San Diego Padres. Who was he traded to the Padres for? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, I could find that for you. And I don't know why it didn't work out. I mean, obviously he wasn't hitting all that great, so they turned him, tried to turn him into a pitcher because we've seen he's got an absolute rocket of an arm. But Bethencourt right now at his age, what is he, 30? Yeah, he's 30. He was traded for right-handed pitcher Casey Kelly and Ricardo Rodriguez. Who? Who? I remember I heard of Casey Sounds Kelly. Sounds like Oakland A's already. Well, I don't Sounds like an Oakland A already. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you. thank you, Billy Bean. Brad Pitt. Do it again, was he? Sounds like an Oakland A already. <laughs> Sounds like an Oakland A already. Well, I'm just going to say, in a year discovery, as we like to call it on the A's Clubhouse Show, 833-625-2278 is the phone number. I want to see him more. And I don't care right now how it works. First base catcher, DH. What's he DHing tonight? Uh, I think so. I didn't. I done the lineups up, but I don't remember. I what. know. I said the lineup came up on my phone while we were doing one of these interviews, but I'll have it here in a second. Uh, he is DHing tonight. I yeah. want to see him hit. Batting third. He costs nothing. Sounds like an Oakland A already. He's getting hot. He's finding himself right now. So you know what? Let's see it. And let's see it on an everyday basis. Unless you got a young prospect you're, you're, you 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 got to take a look at, at that point, that takes precedent. The future take. But right now, I want to see Bethancourt. I got to see it. Uh, there's one other thing we're forgetting to mention, failing to mention about him. Uh, he throws 94 to 95, and he has a zero ERA. On so the I will ask, coming up here in four minutes, I am going to ask the manager, Mark Kotze, does he have his own version of Shohei Otani on the on the club? Could he? He very well might. I remember the Padres tried to make him a reliever, and uh, well, uh, that's why he was out of baseball for a couple of years and hasn't hit it until a couple of weeks ago. Didn't hit a home run since 2016, but it's because they tried to make him a reliever. Uh, that didn't really work out for AJ Preller and the Padres. Whatever has happened in the past, it's the past. Yeah. There's a reason why in your car. The front windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Why? Because the rearview mirror is looking in the past, baby. We're going forward, and all I know is right now Christian Bethencourt's ripping the hell out of the ball. He is, and it's a great sight to see because we're not seeing a lot of, like, how can I put it, uh, power in the lineup right now. So seeing him be able to drive the ball, the doubles, the home runs, the last 11 games. His month of June has been incredible, as you mentioned. I mean, I can't really say I'm seeing a lot of guys do that anywhere else. I'm just talking about baseball. I mean, okay, Mike Trout had two home runs last night, but still, that's Mike Trout. What well, Bethencourt's doing at 30, getting his chance, it just shows you this is what the organization does. They find these guys, and they give them a shot, and they they, they flourish. Paul Blackburn's another one. He wasn't a guy drafted by the A's. He was a guy that was traded for. Cole Irvin, same thing, traded for cash, essentially. Look how well he's pitched for the A's. So it's it's a great story, and hopefully he continues to keep playing well, and we'll see him all the way through the end of the uh, was October 5th. He's back next year. I know he's going to be 31. But. I totally forgot about it. Did you hear what happened with the commissioner? What oh, happens pardon. Monday? Uh, no. You didn't hear? What's oh, the, you're going to be upset. 
We're taking the ships away already? 13 pitchers, that's uh, it. So it's confirmed? It's confirmed. Uh-huh. Only 13 pitchers. You're losing a guy. No more lockout. No more COVID. We're down to 13. Dave Stewart was telling me yesterday they only needed 10, but now you're down to 13. Who's, who's the odd man out then? I don't know. <laughs> but on Monday, does it matter? Can, can we can we get into the the bigger news? It's it's not A's related, but it's AL West related. You're trying to tell me there's bigger news than going down to 13 pitchers, uh, and, mean, and we can promote now more position players pitching. We could talk about this because we always say, well, you know, a lot of our fans and people, you know, fans that we know, complain about how no one's ever resigned and given a big deal. How about the how about that Anthony Rendon contract? How's that working out for Anaheim? Well, is he getting ready for the All Star game in yeah. LA? Just uh, going up there, going up uh, what Dodger Stadium? He'd have to go up uh, 101 to get. Whoa, the Dod- whoa! You're from Southern California. The 101. Thank you. Uh, Anthony Rendon. Why not the five to the 101? Yeah, to the. To I the, believe is how you get the Dodger. To, to the, Chavez Ravine. Yeah, to the Chavez Ravine. Uh, he's going to miss the rest of the season after undergoing surgery on his right wrist. In three years, we won't ever say the day, but in three years. Rendon is hitting 252 with 20 homers in 155 games. He has 154 million dollars and four years left on that contract. But but let me guess, he's probably made in these three years. Well, no, because of COVID, they didn't get paid. It was prorated, yeah. I thought they prorated. What's he make like 32 or something like that? Uh, That's kind. I think he's making 36 and a half this year. 38 in the next three years. So think about the this. guy's been paid like a hundred million dollars and has not played. Th- think about it this way: if they want to resign Shohei Otani, which is the weren't big thing these now. guys complaining during the lockout that they don't make enough money? He's been paid a hundred million to not play. Think about it this way: and Strasburg. Yeah, how's that working out? Strasburg's going to get two hundred and forty-five. Same million as Rendell. They got the same deal. To never pitch. Yeah, he's on the IL again. And these guys are complaining they don't make enough. They're not getting enough of the pie. Oh, my God. Now, for these teams, obviously, these contracts are insured. So, there's not a sweat off their back. I mean, it sucks for them they don't have the player. But look at the amount of money. I mean, how many times do we have to go over these contracts and tell you these contracts don't work? They just don't work. The majority of them. Was it 90%, 85%? They don't work because a lot of these contracts end up going to older players and older players get hurt. They're not on PEDs anymore, hopefully. And when you're not on PEDs, you age like every man ages as you get into 30s. When you get into your 30s, you're not as as flexible. Your eyesight's not as good. I mean, it's just just what it is. And Mike Farron, who our buddy Farron is full of it, they don't want to sign guys in their 30s long term. Uh, they don't want to deal with guys now in their 30s. Like, real quick before we get to Marcotte, the rumor is Otani could get four years and for $200 million. So that's 50 mil a year. When's the contract going to be up? When he's around 31, 32. Because why? They don't want to pay him past those ages because he's going to be wire in his 30s. And he could be wearing down because he's doing both throwing, throwing and hitting. Will Otani be, and this is out of left field before we get to Mark Kotze, will Otani be this guy that gets into the Hall of Fame because of his greatness and not because of volume and numbers? Yes. Kind of like a Sandy Koufax I don't think, type. I don't, I mean, I think, how can I put this? Premature Hall of Fame Oh, talk. this is this is cart before the horse, but this is talk 
this is a talk show, and that's what we yeah, do. Uh, I think we he, bring up think ideas he, that are maybe ridiculous. I, th I think he gets in because of the greatness, not because of the, the longevity and the bandwidth of what he's done. Because he's, he's never going to get enough of bats. He's never going to get enough no. appearances yeah. to amass any crazy numbers. Unless he decides to be a closer in a few years and goes the Eck route, and goes, wins Smoltz. a bunch of games. And Smoltz yeah, route. Yeah, and then starts saving a bunch of games. See, the thing is, though, with that, you got to remember he won 100 games as a starter. Uh, was, yeah, it was oh, well over 100, and then he saved 300-plus, right? Yeah. Smoltz was like 200 wins and 200 saves or something like that. See, I, I don't, just don't think the volume will be there for Otani – like, his greatness will just have to be like, hey, we watched him. His analytics are incredible, but you just don't have volume of yeah. at-bats or appearances, but this guy's greatness deserves to have a plaque. He hits the ball hard, though. Great yeah. exit velo on a swing. Guess what? He hits the ball hard, and guess what? It doesn't always get caught. I, <laughs> uh, we got guys that supposed to hit the ball really hard. I mean, really hard. Right, we got guys that just smoke the ball. All right, we're trying to say positive. Let's get to Kata. Uh, yeah, I forgot. We're po we're positive today. Frankie Montas on the mound. Earlier today, we caught up. It's Friday, right? So earlier today, we caught up with the skipper. He was getting up early this morning to join us here on A's Cast Live after the long flight home from Boston. Time now for the Mark Kotze Show, brought to you by Nest Betting. Check out their locations in the Bay Area, or you go online, nestbetting.com, for all your betting needs, your mattress, your sheets, your pillows, you name it. And when you go into their store or you go online, use the coupon code Oakland, and you get 10% off your entire order. That's nestbetting.com. Well, I got to tell you, thank you for getting up early. I know it was a long flight back from Boston. We truly appreciate it. Yeah, we did. We traveled uh, last night and uh, one of the longer hauls back. But, uh, you know, it was on the heels of a, of a win yesterday. And uh, so we did get uh, a great feeling uh, throughout that six-hour and ten-minute flight. You know, thinking about your career and your players now, it is not easy to spend all this time on the opposite coast of the country, then get on a plane, fly all the way back home. You don't get home till late. And then now your body has to adjust. You got to get up and now play again. What is the key, not only physically, but mentally being able to get up for the next game back home in the West time zone? Yeah, you know, most of us are used to this grind, but we we do have quite a few younger players. Uh, I think we've tallied 21 uh, rookies to this point this far in, in the year. So uh, they're making adjustments, but, uh, you know, and part of their process is they're excited about getting to the, the field. They're excited about their opportunities. Uh, us older guys and well-traveled um, you know, have a, have a little bit more of, uh, of the, of the baggage to carry with us, but, uh, you know, we're in the middle of the season. Um, we've, we've been on the East coast, uh, two times at least, I think. And, uh, you know, we're used to the grind. We're used to the processes. We'll, we'll get in a little bit later today and, uh, and set a routine up just to get our bodies going and, uh, and be prepared for, for tonight's game. Well, before we start talking about your team, we got to talk about Cots the Greek. As you predicted, the Warriors would win in game six, and that's exactly what they did in Boston. And uh, I don't know 
if you guys got to see any of the game, if you were on the uh, tarmac at the time, but you predicted it and it came true. Yeah, it was great. It was great to see uh, Steve Kerr and, and the Warriors uh, win a championship uh, in Boston yesterday. We, we obviously didn't get to see it. We were in the air, but keeping uh, updates uh, from the flight attendants and, and, you know, it was, it was awesome. And the, the reward for that team, the work they've put in, what they've gone through, uh, you know, an amazing job by that group and uh, really a great job by the Bay Area teams out of Boston yesterday. Man, Boston was rocking. I mean, you guys are there. You got the NBA Finals, the U.S. Open's going right now, and obviously U.S. Open is Father's Day, so on Sunday, happy Father's Day. But, I mean, there was jam-packed in Boston, all the stuff going on. Yeah, I think it was Barstool Sports put out a thing, um, exactly that, that uh, the big sports day in Boston and uh, the Bay Area uh, put a little uh, cloud over the top of it yesterday with the A's winning and uh, and obviously the Warriors beating their Celtics. You know, when you think about your team and you're going to protect your team and there's one thing that you've promised the fan base is that they're going to play hard and they're doing exactly that no matter what the results no matter what the record is, your guys are going to go out and play hard for 27 outs. That means a lot to you, and you talked about it uh, after the game. Just just give us a little bit what you were thinking after the game yesterday, talking to the media. Yeah, you know, we, we took a tough loss the night before, and we've had some tough losses on this road trip. Um, you know, no one wants to be embarrassed on that baseball field. And, uh, you know, my message to the group has always been, you know, the only time I'm going to ever lose my mind or on you guys is if you don't show up and fight. You don't show up with energy and play this game the way it should be played. And I've, I, to this point, through these losses, have never felt that lack of energy. I've never felt a fight. Uh, you know, yes, there's been games where we haven't had an opportunity to get a winning run or a tying run to the plate. Um, those are those are never easy to swallow. Those are actually harder losses than the one-run losses that we've experienced this season. So for me. When and if anyone questions whether I feel there's a fight or a, 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 that my group isn't playing uh, with that passion, uh, I'll defend that group. And uh, and you saw that yesterday. Um, you know, I believe in these guys. I believe in their energy. I believe in their fight. And uh, and for the most part, all season we've had opportunities to win baseball games. And unfortunately, we haven't been on the right side as many times as we've been on the wrong side. But that's not for a lack of effort. It's not for a lack of fight. And you know one guy that's always going to bring it for you, and he did it obviously in Cleveland, uh, that's Ramon Laureano. Talk about how he's emerged as a leader. Yeah, Ramon has. And, you know, he's been here for um, a few years now. He's was a part of the core that, that uh, this group has won with, and he has this energy and this passion for winning. And we, it, we saw that on this road trip. Uh, we experienced his emotion and frustration, uh, which is great. You know, my my message as well is to allow these guys to be who they are, and uh, and be comfortable. Uh, you know, in their in their environment, uh, expressing their emotions, and and I believe Ramon's uh, energy, passion, um, you know, frustrations all came out, and it was it was great. It was a great moment for those guys to see that, and uh, they ended up feeding off it. And we ended up turning it around and winning a baseball game that day. 
I got to tell you, A's Hall of Famer Dave Stewart has nothing but high praise for Christian Bethancourt. You know, as Dave's time as general manager of the Diamondbacks, he said he's always liked Christian Bethancourt's skills as a catcher. And we were talking about it yesterday on the postgame show about, you know, with so many pitchers now on your roster, you're limited depth-wise on the bench. And to have a guy like Christian who can play first base, who can play catcher, do multiple positions, and now offensively we're in this month has over 1,000 OPS, hitting 333. I've really liked the way he's dry, keeping his hands in and driving the ball to right center, whether it's hitting it out of the ballpark or off the wall. He's found his stroke. But, you know, being versatile is really, really key. We've talked about with, with Pender and other players. Talk about the versatility and now the offense to go with it with Christian Bethencourt. Yeah, you know, Christian came into camp and really um, I connected with him based on knowing a little bit about it from the Padres in San Diego. Um, you know, he was a catcher there as a young player. Uh, they, they converted him to a pitcher, which I really felt kind of hindered his progress and development uh, as, as a player. Um, and knowing that and knowing the journey that he was on, um, I really just took to Christian and, and really felt that he had something to provide. And, and, and it's fortunate that, you know, we're in the situation now that, that we've gotten an opportunity to see him play, uh, to allow him to, to show his skill set, as, as Dave Stewart talked about. Uh, he's a really, really talented young man. And, and you mentioned, you know, the several positions. It's catcher, it's first base. Uh, you forgot pitcher. He does have a zero ERA this year. So, um, you know, he does. He's talented, and, uh, and we're, we're lucky to have him right now. Are you saying he's your Shohei Otani? <laughs> he could become a two-way player, but I think his focus right now is uh, swinging the bat. As you talked about, he's swinging the bat really well. He's found his swing. Uh, he's really driving the ball to right center. He's found his power. Um, you know, we laughed and joked about that early in the year, that he hadn't hit a home run, and yet in batting practice, he makes this ballpark look small. So, um, you know, I'm really happy for Christian. We're, we're happy that he's contributing to this team's success, and uh, we're looking forward to hopefully a another three and a half months of, of uh, what we're watching. Well, and, and, and the thing that Dave really harped on, and you noticed it yesterday and, you know, throughout the week, people will be listening to this and you can watch it. It's like when that dribbler came out in front of home plate, and he picked it up and gunned the runner at second. You just realize this, the athletic ability that he has, it's really sneaky. Good. Have you seen that all along? Yeah, absolutely. We watched it in spring training and, uh, and, you know, he, he's quiet. He's got this really, really awesome demeanor about him. Um, and yet he's funny. So, um, you know, you don't see that on the baseball field. We get a little bit of it uh, in the locker room. But, um, you know, Christian is an amazing athlete. Uh, he can steal a base. Um, as you talk about, you know, popping out from behind the plate, he's got a cannon for an arm. So, um, you know, again, it was a great sign by our front office. And, uh, and we're very fortunate that, uh, that we have Christian right now. I don't know what the expectations are of a guy that's picked in the 23rd round and doesn't sign for a lot of money. And, you know, he's like, you know, a lot of us growing up, we wanted to play. He got an opportunity and he went with it. And who knows? And next thing you know, you're in Fenway Park. You got your family and friends there. You're making their your debut. I mean, the, the, the story of Jonah Bride is truly amazing. In the offseason said, I'll start catching. I'll be versatile. 
Uh, just, just seeing him get his first hit and then a couple knocks. What did that mean to you? Yeah, it's great. Uh, again, we're, we're, we're definitely, um, giving guys opportunities. You know, Jonah's earned this opportunity, uh, this year. He, he was the best hitter in our double a system, uh, moved up to triple a continued to hit and, uh, and found himself in the big leagues with an opportunity to, to play third base and second base and be in the lineup every day. And, and he's captured it, you know, yesterday, um, you know, he had his, uh, I hope I can say this word on this show, but the O moment there, uh, late in the game at third base, throwing a ball the way, um, you know, when we, when I went out to the mound to make the pitching change, I grabbed him. I said, Hey, the next ball's coming to you. You're going to make the next play. And sure enough, it was a ground ball to third and he made the next play. So, um, it's, it's fun to, to watch these kids, uh, get this opportunity, uh, have success, um, you know, get their first hit in the big leagues and get, be able to congratulate them and be a part of this club, uh, this club's progress right now. And then now you're coming back home. What is the tone? What needs to happen to kind of get you guys back on track here, back at the Coliseum? Well, Tony, I think, you know, playing at home, we, we, we need to get the monkey off the back and get a win here. Um, you know, it's been tough at home. Um, we've got a, a series in front of us that uh, we're looking at. Um, you know, going out and, and, and trying to win this series uh, against Kansas City and, and build some momentum here at home. And I got to tell you, your pitching at times still pretty good. I mean, what, what can you say? We call him Polly Winday, Polly Blackburn, a road warrior. Man, I, the year he is having just, I mean, when you sit back, what a blessing he's been for your staff. Yeah, he really has. Paul's done an amazing job for the staff and, and leading and, and going out every fifth day and, 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 you know, giving us an opportunity to win each and every start. Uh, you know, his journey has been, been great to be a part of. Uh, all of us A's fans know his journey uh, through watching his ups and downs over the last few seasons uh, with, with our club, um, you know, getting a, a spot start and not having success and going back to the minor leagues and going through that grind. And, you know, that's, that's a difficult process for guys. And, and, but yet Paul stayed focused, uh, he, he was determined to, to get here and, and have success, and, and we're watching it right now. And let's end on this. You got Frankie going tonight, and, I mean, Frankie has thrown the ball really well this year. It's one of those rare times where you say, just throw out the numbers. What is the key for the mindset for Frankie to keep telling him you're throwing the ball great, even though we're not scoring a lot of runs from you, but just keep doing what you're doing? Yeah, well, the smile that he had on his face after his last start when our offense came back and, and gave him a, a win, um, scoring some runs late, uh, was, was all we needed to say. Um, you know, he, he knows his job. He knows to go out and put up zeros. Um, our offense knows, uh, you know, we just need to get some runs for him tonight and give him an opportunity to pitch deep in this game and, and go out and, and, uh, and get a W. Hey, once again, we appreciate you getting up after a long flight. Happy Father's Day to you. Enjoy it with the kids. I'm sure they're going to be here in Oakland and have a good homestand. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it, buddy. And that's the skipper of your Oakland Athletics, Mark Kotze. That's it today for A's Cast Live. We want to thank John Mabry, fellow PSAC legend. Yes, that's the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference, same school as myself and Lou Trevino. We want to thank Jonah Bride, Paul Blackburn, and the skipper, Mark Kotze. Coming up in about 13 minutes will be Chris Townsend with A's Total Access. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day, and Chris will talk to you in about 13 minutes. Have a great weekend, everyone.
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.